online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome to Mimi Meets. And my very special guest today is a lady that I met some years ago, and I have nothing but admiration for this lady's strength, her courage, her commitment, and her conviction to what she does. And she is one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. She's not just inspired me, she's inspired thousands and thousands and thousands of people, not just in her local area, not just in the country, but around the world with her strength and her character and what she has tried to do to help people and to help families. So without much further ado, let me please introduce my very special guest, who is Elizabeth Burton Phillips. And Elizabeth, welcome to the studios of Wickham Sound. Thank you very much, Mimi. It's lovely to be here. It's so good to have you here. I've been wanting to have you as a guest for so long. It's just wonderful. Um, you. You are an amazing lady. That's very sweet of you to say so. Um, And people do say that to me, but uh, my stance on that is I'm so busy to even think about what the word amazing means. And I would really just be out there doing what I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. rather than thinking about accolade and and that kind of thing. And I I would say really that the amazing people that I know are those people behind me, my team, my um, frontline team in the office, all the volunteers, um, ambassadors, uh, and uh, trustees, because it's not just about me, okay? The story came from my broken heart. Indeed, I was going to say, please tell us what you do. Yes, well, what I do these days is um, uh, speak on behalf of the charity as both the founder and um, a trustee and the charity is drug farm and the charity is drug farm the nicholas mills foundation trading as the charity drug drug farm and um i try to be an advocate in my role as founder but also this is the opportunity for us to get to the day-to-day roots of what we're about um and what we're about and we do really really well are three things and that is to support families and significant others of those where there's use, abuse or addiction to drugs or alcohol. And we do that in a variety of ways. Firstly, through our helpline, which is on from 9am to 9pm, seven days a week, 0300 888 3853, um, or office at drugfam.co.uk. And so families all over the country can reach us on the phone. That's very important. We're able to do that. And indeed they do. Our stats last year showed 10,300 calls that we were able to answer to that helpline. In addition to that, we also run support groups in the Thames Valley. Um, We have one in High Wycombe every Thursday evening, run by an amazing lady called Jill, who um, I'm sure you've met. And we also have other groups in Whitney, in Oxfordshire, in Peterborough, Hertfordshire, Swallowfield in Wokingham, and a new group has just opened recently in Sandhurst. So people can physically go to groups and actually receive the support and be in a place of safety with other family members that are going through this kind of experience because um, it's very, very difficult when you have a loved one in addiction or abusing or using drugs and alcohol because of the stigma and the shame Indeed. and the prejudice. And people yes. don't want to talk about it, do they? And you right. were saying that this was born from your own heartache and your yeah. own heartbreak. Yeah. So what happened to you? What happened to me was, um, as a professional teacher, I found myself 
with identical twin sons um, addicted to heroin and they'd gone on a journey which had begun just almost very flippantly with their friends smoking cigarettes with no malicious intent and just sort of onto cannabis and then trying pills and then sadly they were offered a heroin spliff along with some, several of their friends and their lives changed because the heroin and the power of that class A drug moved them very quickly from cigarettes to chasing the dragon to injecting and chaos came into their lives. And it was that quick? Very quick, very wow. quick. The power, power of the addiction, it wasn't long before they lost their jobs and uh, life changed dramatically for them. And of course, you know, if I had been going to school or talking on this radio show now about those same boys and their friends being ill with leukemia or cancer or having a road accident, there would be an outpouring of love and compassion yes. and support and what can I do and let's set up a GoFunding page and let's do this. But what you have to battle with, of course, is stigma, shame, prejudice, because of the of society's attitude towards what they see as junkies, the words around that um, are very demeaning. And um, as a mother, it's very painful because, of course, you will always love your children. Of course. And so, in addition to, to that whole story, um, it was trying to to cope at the ultimate break point um, with a death by suicide. And these days we don't talk about committing suicide because we've moved away from crim criminalising uh, that particular type of death. And this and was your son? This was my son, yes, who died by suicide in uh, February 2004 as a result of his long-term addiction, leaving his beloved twin a lone twin and the whole journey of the experience of that when they were both active and then the bereavement and the shock of the shock of suicide was so unbelievably difficult to cope with um and I had kept everything so close to my chest because at that naive point in my life, mm -hmm. I didn't believe that there was anybody in the world that could be going through anything well, yeah. similar because it was, you know, how could a mother who's a teacher, a professional, you know, she must have failed dreadfully as a mother that this, you know, this was what was going in my head. I was really scared about how society would judge me. And so I kept it all very close to my chest and just having two people that I confided in. I mean, how heartbreaking for you, how difficult, it how was, traumatic. It was very difficult for me. And um, I have to say that the, the sort of safety net was going into my school, um, a local school in High Wycombe that I just loved so, so much. And my colleagues there, they didn't know, but they were my rock. Um, two in particular, they know who they are. They were absolutely my rock because during the times when I was working from eight o'clock till let's say five o'clock, I could just focus on that and and then come out and face face the anxiety and the worry and what was going on. How did you cope? Um, I have to say that um, my husband was also a rock. He was angry and 
really upset with what was going on, but he he was there for me through thick and thin, but he was really angry with the situation and very frustrated, um, but he did support me hugely. Um, but yesterday, in fact, we were doing, both of us doing an interview for Amazon Stroke Audible, mm -hmm. who are producing a, a podcast mm -hmm. of, of the, the book that yes. I wrote later in the year. Mm -hmm. And it was really lovely to be able to reflect and talk about how difficult those times were and the strain that was on our marriage and on our relationship and on our friendship. Because and how did he feel? I mean, you were going through this awful, awful, awful heartbreak. Yes. And, you know, and, and I think all mums... And, you know, I'm sure I'll get people writing in and saying, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel that as a mother, you just feel it so much more deeply because you carried those children. Yes, yeah. And there is a special bond, I feel, between a mother and her child. I yes. see it with myself and my own children. Yes. I see my sort of relationship with them as very different to that as that of my husband's. Mm. Um, I mean, so how was your husband feeling himself at, at that time? Well, the difficulty was... and any of your listeners will understand this um, is when you're going through this kind of thing because you're so passionate to protect your children what you'll do is you won't necessarily disclose to other family members what's going on um, because you think that it's best to protect them from from the truth um, you don't want to upset them and you actually think you can manage it yourself and um, that's what I try to do. I try to manage it, just the three of us, try to manage it. And, and what I didn't realize that I was doing at the time was actually rescuing them and enabling them to continue in, in their addiction. And um, uh, that's the, the huge lesson that I've learned. And that's why we have this amazing charity now because of these bittersweet experiences that um, ended tragically in, in Nick's death. The charity, um, for me, as somebody who has met you through that world, I feel you are so incredible to have created that charity to give people the support, strength, courage, mm -hmm. someone to talk to who understands what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that that wasn't there when you needed it. Well, not that I could find. Um, certainly, I did make some phone calls, but there, there were organisations out there that could tell me the details of, you know, what drugs did. And, for example, Talk to Frank, who now signposts all their callers to to us for family, you know, family support. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't anybody there that I could say specifically understood the pain that families go through the anxiety that they go through and um not just mothers but you know grandparents and and wives and husbands absolutely because when we talk about families we're talking really about significant others who are affected by someone else's you know substance or alcohol use abuse or addiction so um coping and finding some one to help me um was tough and it's when I reflect back on those days and hours of anxiety and worry and sleepless nights, I often wonder how I did did yes. get through. Yes, how did you? And I'll, I'll tell you why I asked the question, because my son was going away. He was going away to another country on his own when he was very, very young. 
and he was going to study as part of his course at university but he was one of the youngest ones because he's an August baby I think that's probably the first time in my life I've ever experienced a panic attack. That's mm. the first time he'd been on a plane without us, mm. you know, and then going to America, such yes. a long journey. That's the first time he was living on his own. That's the first time he was away. You know, if something happened, we couldn't go any, we couldn't help him straight away. We would have to book flights and, you know, and do all that sort of stuff before yes. we could get there to help him if, if anything, you know, happened or he needed us. And that in itself, just that brought on for me the greatest anxiety I've ever experienced in my mm-hmm. life. And when I closed my eyes the night before he was due to fly off, I couldn't breathe. It was like a black fog that just completely and utterly suffocated me. Mm. And I couldn't close my eyes and I couldn't turn the light off and I couldn't, I just couldn't sleep. It was horrible. Yes. Yeah. And that's the first time I've ever experienced that. Right. I didn't, I didn't ever find myself having a panic attack mm. at all. I can't explain why. I just just kept going and I believed that it was my responsibility as a mother to help them to get well and I believed genuinely that I I really felt that I could do that because I didn't understand at that stage in my life the power of addiction Mm -hmm. and that it takes control I thought I could control it and so the learning curve has been huge you know both from a if you like a, a scientific medical point of view because of the knowledge that I have now about the power of addiction um, but also learning about understanding the importance of letting go and yeah so it, it's been a huge huge learning curve indeed yes. and, and, and one that you would not wish on anybody no, absolutely not this is Wickham Sound Elizabeth just before we went into the break we were talking about um, how you started this charity and how it was your own heartbreak that created this incredible, incredible charity that you have today, which helps so many people. Yeah. But something you said before the break as we went into it was you didn't really understand the power of addiction. Mm -hmm. So take us through that journey. Yes, it's a really, really tough thing to get your head around because um, I speak now as a, an ordinary mum and uh, represent the the mouths and of, of many ordinary mums and family members who find a loved one in addiction and they just don't understand mm. the power that it has over that person's life and you dive in there with a good heart wanting to help wanting to sort it wanting to pay off dealers possibly um which is where i found myself and indeed so did my husband but what you learn um ultimately is that the only person who can deal with an addiction is the person in addiction themselves by facing up to the reality and coming out of denial but that can be a long long time before they will realize that that is the case um that their mental health has been damaged or physically they psychologically have been damaged so um that you know the fallout on on the family member in my case me as mum keeping it secret from everybody because of the shame and holding on to um this this experience of identical twin boys being on it was extremely extremely painful but the learning curve now translates into I am proud to speak about 
what we do as a charity and let's not have these barriers um, called stigma and shame and prejudice because addiction is an illness and I didn't understand that. I really, really didn't understand that and I didn't understand that that control, that illness that takes over the mind, what it can do, not just to the addict, but to, to the family members. And that's why we're very much about that family illness. So, yeah. And that's one of the things I think that a lot of people don't realise because it's not just about the person mm. and it's not just about mum, dad and siblings. Mm. It goes wider than that. Yes, it certainly does, yes. Um, our support line, our emails, many will um, be talking in group about the other people that are affected, what we call the ripple effect um, of the whole problem the whole illness of addiction you know um, a hypothetical example would be teenage children um, being aware of what's happening if there is an alcoholic dad and how it's impacting on their mom how it's impacting on them perhaps their grandparents and mm. so on mm. whether that person is able to to work um, and how it's affecting the economy of the family um, the mental wealth of Absolutely. everybody um, if, if sadly there's any domestic violence involved as well. Um, so, you know, we're, we, as I said in the first um, in segment, we're very much about doing three things really well, and that's supporting those where there's active addiction and substance use and alcohol use and abuse going on. But also we do have to face up to the many calls that we get from those who are bereaved. And we do have an amazing... Um, team of people who um, support the bereaved in um, support groups, quarterly support groups. We have an annual conference as well and one-to-one -one support and that support extends nationwide um, as well because bereavement actually in addiction is comes in two phases. When, when your loved one is using, you are bereaved even though they are alive. You're bereaved of the person that they once were because the alcohol and the drugs are in a relationship an intimate relationship with them from which you are excluded and um, it's very much about bereavement and loss all the counsellors um, who might possibly be listening to this who are in the counselling world will understand that that is something that they're trained to understand yes. that you've lost that person yes um, and it really is a loss. Yes, it it is, is a total because yeah. that person has changed. Yes, yes. And that's the thing. That person has changed. Yes. And through those changes, they are no longer who they used to be. That's right. At that moment in time. Yes, indeed. They, their personality may change. Their, um, their future happiness may change because the dependency on whatever it is that you, they're using or the combination of things that they're using changes them and for many and we hear this a lot there is a denial that they've got a problem yep. uh, from the families who talk to us or you know um, grandparents who might be talking to us, wives or husbands um, and everybody can see from the outside what is happening but that person is in denial because they think they're fine yeah um, and it's it's it takes huge courage to pick up the phone or to contact us and to say, I need help. Um, but the most important thing that they do is to start helping themselves. Yes. And that helps them to get to a place 
of really understanding that helping themselves actually becomes significantly more important than helping the addict because the addict has to reach a position and a desire to want to help themselves. It, and, and be in that same position And be themselves. in that same position. And that's when the shift will change. Right. Yes. That's yeah. really, I mean, when you put it in those words, you mm. can see the clarity of that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, you can see the clarity of that. So if there's anybody listening um, who feels, yes, this is my story, I'd like to know more, I'd like to find out more, how can they get hold of you? Well, if they want to get hold of me personally, I'm very happy to receive an email at elizabeth at drugfam.co.uk. Um, How nice. That's uh, really lovely. They're very welcome to get hold of, hold of me personally. I do answer any emails or letters personally. Um, or we have a generic email, office at drugfam.co.uk. And that will be picked up by one of our team who will then be able to offer them one-to-one support or group support. Or um, We also have one of our wonderful volunteers who does what she calls face-to-face coffee support because some people don't necessarily want to come into the office. And everything, everything is absolutely confidential because we want our family members to feel safe with us to feel that they can offload and literally say what it is that's that's got them to a place that they've needed to pick up the phone to us but they know that we are absolutely confidential so they can they can reach us that way or they can come to group i have a group in high wickham on a thursday evening i'd be very happy to welcome people to that group marvelous so that would be a start for them. Indeed. Yes. And I think it's having that courage to actually say, I need to do something about this. Yes. Whether it's helping yourself, whether it's finding out more information, whether it's understanding the situation better. And actually, it's also, I think, about understanding not to blame yourself. Yes, yes. Self, self-blame and self-stigmatising, you know, is, is very common. We hear that. Um, particularly actually sadly in our support groups as well we have an amazing uh, specialist counsellor who helps us to understand uh, you know that it's not your fault um, and not to blame yourself and these are things that we explore both in the active groups and in the bereavement groups as well Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. this group on the Thursday evening is not a bereavement group that's for those where it's active use abuse and addiction going on yeah and um you, it's very safe and friendly place to be and the location and is the location is in our offices in castle street in high wickham wonderful number eight castle street brilliant yes brilliant and we'll make them very very welcome indeed and that's lovely thank, yeah. thank you very much for that and i think there's another way that people can find out a little bit more because you've written the most amazing book indeed yes indeed the book was my therapy and um uh, just a little bit of background to that was um, after Nicholas died, um, I was offered the opportunity to go with my surviving twin son, who is now abstinent, uh, to America. And I woke up in the middle of the night uh, in 2004, uh, in August 2004, and I thought, I'm going to write it all down. And I woke my son up, who was in the bedroom next door, and he said, yes, ma'am. That's really great, but not now, please. And if you do, I will help you because this book needs to show both sides. Yes. And um, interestingly enough, um, I started to formulate an idea and I began with the the death. That's, you know, the delivery of your son has died and he's died by suicide because that was the most painful thing. And then mm. started to build the chapters around how this story could look and it was totally therapeutic there was no idea in mind that it would become 
you know, translated into several languages and... and it's incredible, the effect uh, it's had. And, and, you know, it's gone worldwide yes. and, and there's been a play adapted from it and it's just quite amazing. So um, One of the comments that I read um, from somebody who's read the book is that every young person should read yes. this book yes. to understand what they're getting themselves into yeah. before they get there. That's right, and I receive that so many times in comments from people who've read the book, or I speak a lot in schools and at conferences um, all over the UK and beyond. Because I now want to read the book, because yes. I want to understand. Well, I have one here for you. Amazing, <laughs> thank you, but yeah. it's just important it's just so important to see see it from someone who's been there from your yes. perspective yes and of course I also read that it's um, updated regularly as well when you reprint that's right which yes. is yeah. brilliant yes it was we were in t 2017 we were fortunate enough to be recognized by the prime minister and we had an event at number 10 to recognize our achievements and on that day the updated version of the book came out wow um, and that was able to embrace um, that amazing event that I think we're going to talk about that yes. happened at Westminster Abbey. Yes, yes, that was just one of the... It's it's one of those days that I will never forget as mm. long as I live. Yeah. It was an incredible, incredible, incredible service. Mm. It was moving. I can't believe how many people came to that. You had 2000. thousands. Yeah, yeah 2000. It was yes. amazing. It's given a new spin to the expression PTSD, post-traumatic spreadsheet disorder. It's <laughs> uh, what... You can only say the team behind that, yes. um, our former chief executive and our current staff, uh, worked so, so hard um, to make it, it a worthwhile day. Yes. So it was a service at Westminster Abbey. And yes. it was... A service of hope and celebration. Oh, and it really was. And it was born out of actually a visit to Ireland where the play was on and me seeing that there'd been a service in Dublin and I came home and I spoke to my local MP about it and within three days we were in discussions with the team at Westminster Abbey. How brilliant. And it took 18 months. Amazing. But my goodness, I have to say, the team at Westminster Abbey, they were wonderful. How they guided us and... Um, showed us how to make the best of this and we had everybody in there from the homeless to the aristocracy you did addiction <laughs> is an equal opportunity absolutely absolutely um, it was incredible yeah it was incredible you've got your book here and mm. there was a bit in particular that you wanted to read from the yes, book yeah. so the floor is all yours yes this is really poignant because my son um he wrote a special piece that um westminster abbey team asked him to do in honor of his brother and he writes, I walk in your shadow, but continue to glow. I reminisce, think back of the memories of those times we shared. All the brotherly love, many moments together. Time and life ticks by. Never could I have known that you'd ever say goodbye. A lifetime you've flown, gone, spread your wings. But together we had grown and have left many things. But after so much time, you are still here. I feel you inside. You live in my soul, and I draw strength and pride. When a life's chapter ends, another begins. I remember all around me are friends, a new family, a wife, home, and children. How I wish you could meet them and see how they've grown. But I have no fear in life now, not alone when I walk supported by family and friends when I need to talk because wherever you are be happy and know I walk in your shadow 
but continue to glow. And it's a beautiful piece. Oh, it's made my eyes go watery. It's a beautiful piece. <laughs> it is beautiful. You know, and that comes from the, the love of a twin. Yes. And any twins listening to this will know that if they're close, to lose one mm. is, is devastating. That is beautiful. It's beautiful. made me very teary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is beautiful. And it's why, of course, now, all these years on, Simon is on our board of trustees. Yes. He is abstinent. And he's just the most wonderful friend. How lovely. Yeah. How absolutely wonderful. This is Wickham Sound. Oh, Elizabeth, that reading from, from your book just before we went into the break, I've just about recovered. Oh, bless you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very powerful um, tribute to Nicholas from his twin twin brother. Indeed. Who, you know, I'm, in, I'm enormously proud of him. Um, he's a champion of recovery as well despite losing his brother to to suicide to drugs he now is a father and has two beautiful children so i have two beautiful grandchildren how lovely and congratulations is, thank you and he is um sits on our board as trustees as i think i mentioned before mm. and um, mm. uh yes so it's um a wonderful thing to have happened at westminster Abbey to bring all those people together and it really was yes it was such a celebration mm. it was so brilliant i felt uplifted for yes. days yeah. and days and days afterwards and even now when i think back to that occasion i just feel that sparkle back in my eyes again yes. i feel that spirit you know lifting up inside me so that was a good song we had before the break. <laughs> it was, yes, a really, really good song, yes. Brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. So the book's there, so you can go and buy it. Where can you actually buy the book, by the way? Well, we do have copies. Um, I do have copies that I can send to people mm-hmm. um, and sign. Um, so Elizabeth at drugfam.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can go on Amazon. Yep. Um, and you can also go on the publisher's website as well. But I think Amazon and through the office or through myself is, is probably the best route. Mm-hmm. Does that help you raise funds for your charity? Um, well, the, the fundraising side of our charity um, can come through purchasing a book and making a donation online mm-hmm. um, rather than to Amazon itself. Um, but we do have um, the opportunity for people to fundraise in different ways. Yes. and Because so that's really important. Or are you yes. all government funded? Unfortunately, we're not government funded. No, we rely on the wonderful wonderful support of people who are willing to fundraise for us and um that's very very important and we have had in the past a most amazing group of ladies who've uh, run a ball for us every year but they're the master of the ship is not very well at the moment so we haven't been able to to have that ball but we're hoping that it will be coming back next year lovely and uh, you know that's that's really good but fundraising is really really important um, and uh, we're looking at different alternatives um, to um, the best way to reach people to donate. But uh, what we're about really is not asking people to give huge amounts. Yes. But for example, on this um, donation form, you can make a regular donation of £5 a month, yes. £10, 20 30 40 or 50 which isn't you know. even you know it's not even yes. a couple of coffees a week is it That's if you right. go into a, yes. one of the yes. high street coffee yeah. shops yeah so, so the money is, is generally that that kind of donation means that uh, it's not restricted and what's really important is to keep our helpline going seven days a week nine till nine yeah you know plus all the other things that we do and so um non-restricted funding 
or sponsorship of any kind, um, you know, from local businesses uh, would be absolutely most welcome um, because, uh, you know, as I say, we're not government funded. Indeed. And Mm. I think that's one of the myths out there that most people think that if you're a charity, you must get your funding from the government, but it's simply not the case. It isn't the case. No, it isn't. Um, We are recognised, as you've probably seen by our testimonials, at the highest levels in government and at the Home Office and in the police and so on, with whom we have a wonderful partnership in the Thames Valley. Um, and um, but um, yes, because you've sat on the government advisory committee, haven't you, and and talked to them about how to actually look at this subject in a very clear, open-eyed, open-minded yes. way. Yes, and have realistic approaches to this issue. That's right, because you know all advisory committees are looking at the problems around drug addiction and alcohol addiction, um, and understandably focusing on how we can promote recovery. That is so so important, abstinence. But it's also recognising that the families need to recover as well and the partners need to recover and the children, the teenage children or grandparents need to recover because when an addict does find recovery, that's fantastic. But actually... Everybody else needs help too. Everybody else needs help too. Yes, indeed. And I can completely see that. Yeah. Completely get that. So we've got the book. We've got the play. We've got ways to donate um, that people can have a look at online as well. And in your hands, you've got a leaflet, which is about... The play. The play itself. Go for it. Yes. Okay. So a little bit of background. Um, Back in 2011, an email popped up in my box and a gentleman saying, I've read your book and my wife is on the streets of um, Manchester. Um, Would you allow me to write a play? Um, about your story and I'd like to help and I actually looked at it and thought this man must be bonkers why (laughs) would anybody want to watch a play about a family's addiction Uh, but of course what I hadn't embraced at that particular point was the power of theatre in education and the arts in education and that now several years later is translated into the most magnificent Uh, relationship with a company called It Is What It Is Productions, where we have just three, three actors who have launched a one-hour production of Mum, Can You Lend Me 20 Quid, suitable for schools, for prisons, for rehabs, because it's got an add-on workshop. Sure. And um, it's been received with absolute applause from those who have seen it so far and for example one audience member in 2019 have said beautifully acted and moving another has said it doesn't pull any punches another has said it opened my eyes to the fact that there are so many mums out there like me and it's uh, an honest retelling and it's told from both the addict and family members point of view and it follows the harrowing descent into addiction from school age to adulthood and the devastating effect this had on then on us for the, for the family. Um, I can't speak highly enough of what this team have done, particularly with the role of heroine, who is a silent seductress, beautiful, beautiful girl, who just controls the actor who plays Nicholas and Simon and shows the damage that it's doing in your face to mum and dad and you hear the voices of other family members but you don't see them and we're hoping that that play 
will be in High Wycombe sometime this year. Oh, that would be um, amazing. Because our cast are based Come in, in the Come in and north. talk to us about yes. it when it is, yes. so that we can make sure that yes. as many people as possible yeah. can get there to see yes. it. Yes. I would love to see it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And no. I'm certainly going to put their names forward for the professional podcast production of the drama that Audible Amazon are going to do later this year amazing yeah and I think when you have something like that it has the power to really bring it to life for you yes. and when you are sort of encompassing all those emotions yes. and enacting what is actually going on yeah that's the thing that really yes. connects with people isn't yes. it yes I think that the thing the thing that really has hit me the most about this uh, recent production this updated production of the hour is the how they've used the lady heroine's colors she's dressed in brown and white significant of brown for heroin and white for crack cocaine and how those colors are used in her outfit and eventually used to for nick to to take his own life mm-hmm. uh, it's just incredible very very powerful and of course it's coming the, the feedback coming from addicts mm. in recovery is mm. this is what it does how much does it cost for somebody to sort of say, okay, we, but that would be something very useful for us to do? It costs, I, I believe, um, about £900 mm-hmm. to put it on. But yes. when you bring them down, yes. you can have, you know, three performances in one day. Yes. Um, but you have to contact them directly. Right. Um, uh, to be able to do that. Because so. I think that's a really important message. I mean, you know, we've mentioned it. How do we get hold of them if we want to have them yes. as performers yes. within our own arena? Yes, well, we can, you can get hold of them um, by going on to It Is What It Is Productions website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you can contact um, Sophie um, at itiswhatitis.co.uk mm-hmm. or contact me, Elizabeth at DrugFam, and I can put you straight straight into mm-hmm. into contact with them i i just can't speak highly enough of them mm-hmm. and of course these actors are the actors that were in the original production that much had, had a much larger cast yes that have now formed this amazing theater company incredible uh, and are, are my greatest friends incredible yeah and i know the power of the play because when i was a cabinet member we dealt with hate crime in this way mm. we showed people through acting and through performances and min- mini plays within the whole thing yeah. what it's like to be at the receiving end and what it's like to be the person that is doing the bullying or yes. committing that hate crime yes. and it really we used to do this for year 9 children and it really woke them up yes it really made a difference it had an impact so yeah. you can't stress enough how much impact this has. That's right. So we're, we're hoping that if, when we get it here, we can have it possibly on at the Hexagon or mm-hmm. one of the schools that's got a mm-hmm. theatre and invite mm-hmm. lots of people in to, mm-hmm. to see it. We're coming up, sadly, to the end of our, our hour. Um, and I just very, very quickly wanted to talk about volunteering and trustees and, uh, and ambassadors for your charity. Because... I work as the chairman of um, of Community Impact Bucks, which looks after all the charity and voluntary sector in Buckinghamshire. I know how hard it is to attract, especially trustees, um, ambassadors and volunteers if they're not sure what they're doing. So what is your criteria for people coming into those roles within Drug Fam? Well, the criteria really um, is around where their particular skills are. Mm -hmm. So if we start with volunteers, for example, um, what we're looking um, for are people who are and they don't necessarily have to have experience of addiction, but in a, in a strong, resilient place to perhaps be a peer mentor, 
um, maybe to facilitate a support group, um, to be a telephone support worker. Mm -hmm. And they do this in shifts. I'm not going to put them on the telephones of for course. 12 hours. And train people. And train well. people. Yeah, of course, absolutely. we have a training package. Um, and also, some people just, we have one lady who's amazing. She comes in and does administrative work, which is so important. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and anybody who'd like to help with the bereavement support groups. And uh, I have one lovely lady who helps me when we have the quarterly support groups, just simply comes along and makes the and makes people welcome Absolutely. and that kind of thing so um, we'd really welcome that and then of course trustees those people who feel that they can bring to the charity the particular skills perhaps in public health or in the legal world mm -hmm. um, in the you know the field of medicine and yes. the, the peace and so Absolutely. on so that would be marvellous and for ambassadors it is those people who really want to spread the word about what we do we're very proud to have um, two professors who were at the Westminster Abbey service uh, and a former trustee and recently Russell Brand has become an ambassador for us amazing yeah. fantastic and I'm not surprised mm. but the work you do is incredible the work you do is just it's so far reaching and it takes the stigma out of the whole subject yes. which is the yes. most important thing yeah. this is such a common thing these days yes. it is not embarrassing to talk about it absolutely not we're proud we're proud of what we are doing and um, we want to support as many people as we can across the country be really proactive in taking away this stigma and this prejudice uh, that it goes with this word that is an illness. Elizabeth Burton Phillips, what an amazing guest you've been today. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. We've had some tears as well, I have to say. Um, very emotional reading. Thank you very, very much for sharing your story with us and for sharing your charity with us. And anybody listening out there, I hope you will have the courage now, if you need it, to pick up that phone and just make that phone call or to send that email in asking for help. Read the book. It is amazing. Um, it has been a remarkable hour for me I've learned a lot I've cried a lot yes, I've laughed a lot <laughs> we've we've had a we've had a great time just thank talking you. and you're an amazing lady thank you very much I start with that I end with that you are an amazing lady um, and I hope many many more people will have the courage now to pick up the phone or send that email so to do you I so do I and yeah. uh, and find out and get the help that they need yes and they'll have a wonderful team to support them absolutely brilliant thank you so very much for coming in and you're being welcome. my guest today on Mimi Meets it's been a pleasure to have your company and uh, listening out there, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great to have you here listening into the show. I hope if you've been affected by anything that we've brought up that you will be able to pick up that phone or send that email in and get the help and support that you need. That's what it's all about. So thank you very much for listening and I look forward to your company again next week. This is Mimi Harker. You've been listening to Mimi Meets and you've been listening on Wickham Sound. You've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound. To find out more, head to wickhamsound.org.uk.